Once again, Peter loses out as our unlucky object lesson here. (laughs) Poor Peter. The disciples are confused when they glimpse someone mysteriously coming out to them across the water. They think that maybe they're hallucinating. But as the story is usually offered up, it is Peter, the fool, who tests Jesus. He asks Jesus to prove that it is him. And then when Peter tries to make good on the proof, he immediately doubts, becomes afraid, and starts sinking. And then, after being hauled up out of the water, while he is still dripping, the reprimand comes. You of little faith, why did you doubt? At first hearing, at least to me, this sounds ridiculous. Why did he doubt? Because people don't walk on water. (laughs) Much less in a raging storm. Because he understands how the world works. And this is not it. And maybe, most simply, he doubted because their boat had been battered by waves all through the night with no guarantee that they would see the sun rise. It's not just Peter and his doubts who receive disdain from how this story's been used. Fear, too, is on the receiving end of a lot of scorn here. One notion gleaned from this story is that fear is the opposite of faith. The idea being that the two cannot coexist, swirling together inside us. Using this story, plenty have suggested that if you have enough faith, you will not be afraid, no matter how hard the storm rages. I'm grateful for what faith I have, but I can't say that's been my experience. I didn't start out as a fearful parent. I began more as a go-ahead-and-eat-dirt kind of parent. Not hands-off, but laid-back, confident that things would all be more or less okay, and believing that if Alice fell out of a tree, sorry, Alice, uh, it would probably be an important part of learning. I don't think she, you haven't, have you? Actually fallen out of a tree? I don't think so. (laughs) At any rate, that is how I began as a parent. And much of that changed for me when our son died as an infant. Suddenly, nothing was a given, and I saw how much was out of my control. I especially remember that fear setting in when I became pregnant again. I held my breath, bracing. Once I could feel Sam flip-flopping in my belly, I I began to rely on that movement to calm my heart. If he rested for what felt like too long, I would push hard on my belly, pestering him, making him wriggle into a new position, and thereby assuring me that he was okay. This continued on the outside, too, even after the doctors had checked and double-checked and quintuple-checked that he was healthy. 
Still, I needed more assurance. And so every night before I went to bed, I would, I would sneak in to check on the kids, check that they were okay, check that they were still breathing. And they were always fine, but still the fear gripped me. I remember sharing this somewhat sheepishly with a friend and being so grateful for her response. She said, of course you are afraid. How could you not be? Tell me more about it. Rather than dismissing my fear or shaming my doubt, she gave me permission. Permission to be, to feel all of it, to be honest about where I was. We hear, we hear Jesus tell the disciples not to be afraid in this morning's gospel, but I think his actions speak something else. At the outset of our story, he's taken some much-needed time away on his own. He's just hosted the feeding of thousands of people. He's healed many of them. And finally, he has sent everyone away and snuck up a mountain alone. And I'm guessing he, he would have stayed up on that mountain for a week, or maybe a month. And yet, from up on that peak, he sees the storm rise. He sees the wind drive the boat helplessly away from shore. And you can see across the Sea of Galilee from one side to the other. But when you are out in the middle of it, you realize how vast it is. How minuscule anything on the shore is, shrinking until it's invisible. The disciples are stuck there, and their boat is being swamped in the dark of night. Jesus knows this, and he knows that they are terrified. And rightfully so. Fishermen die like this all the time. But he does not ignore them or their fear. He gets up before dawn. He does not wait to find a boat of his own. He, he sets out across the water on foot. He sees their fear, and he comes to them. He tries to reassure them, to let them know that they no longer need to be afraid, but, but they think he's a ghost, adding insult to injury, a demon added to the storm. And immediately he meets them where they are in their fear. He doesn't just state his name and purpose. He points to something that would stir deep in their souls. We miss this in our English translation, but in the Greek, instead of saying, hey, it's me, Jesus, he, he identifies himself simply as I am. I am, just as God offered for Moses from the burning bush. I am the source of all being. It's still not enough, and what follows unfolds quickly. Peter asks for more assurance. Jesus calls him to come, and Peter steps out. Soon enough, he's sinking in the big waves and asking for help again, and then Jesus' hand is there, hoisting him up. He is soaking wet, but he is safe, and suddenly all is calm. 
And in the midst of all that comes the zinger. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Oh, how I long to hear Jesus' tone of voice as he utters these words. So often it is read out as a rebuke, as in, Oh, foolish Peter, what is wrong with you? Why did you have so little faith? Why do you question me? And maybe that would be a reasonable response. After all, they have been together for quite a while now. Peter has seen Jesus do marvelous and completely preposterous things. They just fed a whole city's worth of people. He's seen him heal the unhealable. He's he's even already seen him calm a stormy sea. This is not the first time. I mean, really, what more will it take for Peter to trust? But as I think through how relentlessly Jesus shows up for them in their fear, I hear something else come through. I hear kindness in his voice, as in, Peter, even if you only have a little faith, it is enough. Do you remember the mustard seed? You have that. I've seen that in you. It is all you need. Jesus calls Peter back to himself, back to the core of who he is. And then he asks Peter about his doubt. Again, we usually hear the tone here as one of condemnation, chiding Peter for faltering. But what if it's not that? What if Jesus isn't asking a rhetorical question? What if he's really asking, probing into the doubt, hoping to help Peter unpack it, look at it from all angles, maybe even come to appreciate it? What if it sounds more like Jesus gently saying, Peter, you have a little faith and it's enough. Let's look then at what the doubt is about. How do you want to work with your doubt? Do you want to live these questions or slowly unravel the fear or both? What if Jesus is genuinely curious, not just about our faith, but also about our fear and our doubt? Could we then hold these more gently in ourselves also? What if they weren't burdens to avoid or hide, but gifts to explore and examine and learn from? What if our fear and our doubt and what we do with them are just as important in our connection to God as our faith? This is what I found with that friend who was a stand-in for Jesus that day. She validated my fear, and she invited more of my questions. There was room for all of it. And as I realized this, I began to see that there was more room for me to breathe also. Much of the time, our our doubt and our fear seem to go hand in hand. At some point, we're all thrown into the storm, 
And it becomes clear that we are not going to get out of it on our own. Fear rises, and with it comes the onslaught of questions, the sudden awareness of all we do not know. The arrival of fear and doubt is part of what it means to be human, and it's central to what it means to connect with God. There in the storm, long before anything is solved, God is present. While we're still reeling, Jesus asks about it all. Tell me about your doubt and your big questions, he invites. Tell me about all your fear. And with that invitation comes his promise. You have a little faith, and it is enough. With that and with God, we can enter into all the rest. 